0: It's 8.30 on Monday, November 19th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, some Mississippians are calling for Republican U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith to be dismissed. Hear the latest. Then, 10 projects on the Mississippi Gulf Coast are receiving a nearly $40 million boost from the state settlement from the 2010 BP oil spill. We'll learn more. And after everyday tech, how a Mississippi student beat out 40,000 applicants to win a prestigious award. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some Mississippians are speaking out in response to videos of the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate joking about attending a public hanging and about voter suppression in select communities. Protesters are calling for Hyde-Smith's resignation, Cindy Hyde-Smith. At the same time, a petition with almost 9,000 signatures is being circulated requesting her removal from office. Adelia Carthon is assistant professor at Tugaloo College. She's also a relative of Emmett Till. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood she's disappointed with Hyde Smith's comments.
1: The fact that Cindy Hyde Smith wanted a front row seat to Emmett Till's hanging. To Tamar Rice hanging, to Mike Brown hanging, to all of the the young people that lost their lives. You know, how can you say that you are a child of God? You know, we we have to be aware of the speech that they use. They always talk about abortion and gay rights in their speech, but once they get elected to office, they don't even address these things. They use that to pull in the Christian base. And people need to understand that if these people were Christians, they would be standing up for the right thing so it's time for us to listen to what these people are saying watch what they're doing and hold them accountable
2: so how are you crossing um, racial lines to spread this message
1: well i'm calling on white christians to speak out stand up and stand on what's right so do you think that it's okay for her to make those statements and say that she loved and know Jesus? You know, the word said if your your neighbor is offended, you know, to, to go to them and apologize. So people need to be mindful of what they say, what they do, and if you're going to walk the walk, talk the talk. A uh,
2: Part of today was a call for resignation, but as a young man said, likely she will not resign. So what's, what is the next thing here? Are, are we trying to get people to vote? What is the the goal behind today?
1: Well, the first and most important thing is for people to show up on November 27 and cast their vote for Mike Espy. The next thing, we have an online petition. Please sign that online petition. You can search and Google Mississippi Matters, and it should come up. We have about 9,000 signatures on that petition. Once we get about 10,000 signatures, we're going to... uh, hand-deliver those petitions to the governor, and that's our next step. After we deliver the petitions, we're going to deliver a letter to the governor and to the Senate Majority Leader asking for her removal from office.
2: Is there anything else you want to add that you didn't previously mention?
1: I just want people to be involved. You know, a lot of people say I'm not into politics. Where you're not being into politics is you taking an active hand in your lynching because that's what's going on today. They're not dressing up in white sheets anymore. They're holding offices, and they're making laws and politics to disenfranchise
2: a race of people. Adelia Carthen, at Tougaloo College and also a descendant of MBTL. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you.
0: Hyde-Smith hasn't released any further statements or an apology in response to the public hanging comment. In a second video released on social media, Cindy Hyde-Smith is recorded at a campaign event in Starkville on November 3rd, saying there's a lot of liberal folks in those other schools who maybe we don't want to vote. She also said maybe we want to make it just a little more difficult. Dr. Scott Crawford of Jackson tells our Ashley Norwood he thinks it's inappropriate.
3: I'm very disturbed by what Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith said. As a person of faith and as a, just as a decent human being, we don't use phrases like that. It troubles me deeply that anyone would speak of wanting to see a public lynching. I've never heard that phrase in my life. And I've lived in Mississippi most of my life. I've never heard that phrase before. And to follow up, the fact that she would talk about voter suppression, it's appalling. It's appalling. And I object.
2: In the general election, uh, once Chris McDaniel didn't succeed to the runoff, a lot of people felt that his voters would then vote for her because she's the only Republican running. Do you think now it's a matter of race and not so much political party?
3: I don't know the fact that she hasn't apologized or taken this back speaks volumes about her character and I think as decent Mississippians we should be expecting more from our leaders we should expect them to act with honor and dignity and to treat everyone with deep respect because we're all human beings, and those comets, they're beneath us.
0: In a statement, Hyde-Smith's spokesperson says her candidate was obviously making a joke, including the video was selectively edited. Republican candidate Cindy Hyde-Smith and opponent Democrat Mike Espy are debating the issues tomorrow night in Jackson. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Coming up... Ten projects on the Mississippi Gulf Coast are receiving a nearly $40 million boost from the state's settlement from the 2010 BP oil spill. We'll learn more. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. robin young maybe you heard that kim kardashian and kanye west had their california mansion saved from wildfires by private firefighters well insurance companies have been selling policies with that service for years and cities often call on them
4: this is not new for the last 40 years private resources have been working on wildfires for the, the government
0: next time here and now
5: today at noon on mbb
3: think radio
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality, or MDEQ, announced 10 new and supplemental restoration projects that will add approximately $37.8 million to the total being spent on restoration projects in the wake of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill. This brings the total to approximately $508 million of restoration projects that have been announced. The announcement was made Tuesday at the Mississippi Restoration Summit, hosted by MDEQ in Biloxi. Gary Reichert is executive director of MDEQ. He tells MPB's Evelina Burnett more.
4: This is our, our third summit that we've had, and this is just the opportunity for us to present to the to the public you know where where we've been this past year and then and then take in- input from them on, on what they see as as needs for the for the next calendar year as far as uh, restoration projects
6: and you announced some new projects today can you kind of describe where in the big picture of the BP restoration the projects announced today fit and and what the projects are some of them
4: Sure. Um, so today we announced uh, at, the, at the press conference here uh, projects that are, that are under the RESTORE Act, and the, and the RESTORE Act has a couple of different components, and what we announced were projects under bucket one of the RESTORE Act and bucket three of the RESTORE Act. Bucket one are, are, the, are the projects that uh, you probably have the most flexibility in the types of projects that, that you can implement. Uh, uh, and the Restore Act, of course, is a federal act. So, uh, but it allows us to do everything from workforce training uh, to, to tourism components uh, to uh, economic development. It doesn't just have to be eco-restoration projects. And what happens is that the Go Coast 2020 Commission looks at projects that are in the Mississippi portal and anybody can put a project in the portal and then they choose projects out of that and make recommendations to the governor on on projects and the governor takes those recommendations and and normally he he will he will have to it down the list because the uh, the the go coast commission some of the projects may be more money than we have available in the in the next calendar year and so that's what's happened they make recommendations and the governor then chooses based on those recommendations for the bucket one projects the other projects were under bucket three of the Restore act and and, and those are primarily eco restoration type projects uh, that that are implemented so that's what we announced today it was a total of about 40 million dollars in in projects, um, somewhere around $20 million from Restore at Bucket One and somewhere just just shy of $20 million from the Bucket Three.
6: And some of the Bucket One, you said there's flexibility in Bucket One, but for example, one of them was a connector road. Another one was, um, I think, funding to help bring in more flights into the Gulfport Airport. So, how do you see that sort of fitting into the bigger picture of restoration if if the bp spill was really an environmental disaster how do those projects fit in
4: well certainly yeah that there there were uh, in addition to the to the environmental issues, there were also e- economic issues that were associated with that. And so, when Congress passed the, the Restore Act in Bucket One, they specifically said, "Hey, these are the types of categories that we want you to look at in choosing projects." And and like you said, with the connector road, um, with the with the low cost air, airline um, incentive. That those are tourism related projects or economic development type projects the the workforce training that's another one that we announced to today um, under bucket one and so those are the types of, of, of projects that the act specifically allows us to 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 look at and then there are other funding sources and other parts of the Restore Act and then under the other NIFWIF and, and NERDA that that really focus more on the eco-restoration aspects of things. And so um, this is really the only set of funding that's really available to do those other economic-related, uh, to, to, to address those harms that occurred.
6: And what do you hope overall this funding will accomplish, both the economic, the the restoration, you know, as the head of the agency that's responsible for this huge endeavor over 30 years, what are you hoping at the end will happen?
4: Sure. So, you know, I, I guess the the, the the phrase that I use all the time is, is we not only want to put the coast back to where it was prior to the spill, but we want to make it better. And so that's what we, that's our main goal is to, is to take in what the citizens uh, see as needs and to focus in on that and to, and to use this money uh, and, 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 you know, act as a. We've obviously got a fiduciary obligation here, but but not just put us back where we were, but to make us better.
0: MDEQ Director Gary Reichard, Adam Breerwood is president of Pearl River Community College. He tells our Evelina Burnett they're working to meet the needs of the industries on the coast.
7: It's something that we've been working on for a, for a very long time. Uh, what we'll do is we will uh, have a workforce academy now located in Hancock County, up by the Port and Harbor Commission. Um, and also located by the high school, and this will give an opportunity for us to train um, existing industry needs and also future needs. And uh, we just appreciate the, the governor's vision um, and, and seeing the value in this project and also the leadership of Hancock County that made this a top priority, and it's good today that it came to fruition.
6: And so is this going to allow you to expand what you're doing now or offer a whole new program?
7: It would allow us to offer several new programs. We can really expand our CTE education, um, our workforce education. It will allow us to uh, close the skills gap, which is very important right now in the state. Um, short-term training classes where people can come in and pick up a skill and, um, and get right back into the workforce. So, again, we're just we're thrilled with the announcement this afternoon.
6: What kind of need is there for this in Hancock County and, and the Gulf Coast generally in the state, but it's specifically in Hancock County?
7: Well, that's a great question. You know, the first thing we did is we got an assessment and we asked that very question to a lot of industry down there. We said, you know, what are your needs? And they gave us a list of needs and we got a lot of feedback. And so uh, we plan to address those needs. And, you know, we, it's something that I think um, as soon as we can get the money in hand, we've already started some design concepts and some different thoughts on what we need to do and exactly what, what programs will be offered. And um, you know we look forward to getting that on the street as quickly as possible.
6: And have you gotten um, restoration funding for this already? This is additional funding, or is this a new funding source?
7: Last year we received two and a half million dollars, and and this year we received an additional four. So we're hoping with the six and a half, um, you know, the cost of new construction is is high, but uh, w- we believe that that we can certainly address this need with the money that we currently have available.
6: And you're building a whole new facility.
7: Yes, ma'am, that's correct. We're building a whole new facility. It's located next to the Port and Harbor Commission and the airport and also uh, Hancock High School.
6: And what kind of uh, programs specifically are you going to be offering, like in what industry? Well,
7: you know, uh, really focusing on aviation and aerospace. Um, We'll also do some maritime um, programs, you know. But, you know, there's such a need here along the Mississippi Gulf Coast and also off into Louisiana. There's there's a lot of needs. And, you know, we want to serve as not only an economic development engine, but also as a source of recruiting. When industry is looking to come into our area, we want to say, yes, come in. You know, set up shop in Hancock County. We can train all of your all your workers. You can give us your specific need and we can address it.
0: Pearl River Community College President Adam Brearwood with MPB's Evelina Burnett. The projects announced for 2018 are all funded through the Restore Act. Coming up, find out how a Mississippi student beats out 40,000 applicants to win a prestigious award. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts Cotrera, and today we're discussing general technology and how technology affects our everyday lives. So, Wilts, technology is all around us in our everyday lives, from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to bed at night. There's no way to get through your day without being impacted by technology in some way.
8: Well, that's true. From the moment we wake up, I mean, Yes, the alarm clock. We may not sometimes think about the technology behind that, but really the alarm clock is the first piece of technology we're interacting with during the day. For me, that's followed up by just using an electronic toothbrush. And what about that, those coffee pots? You know, How many people now wake up and the coffee's waiting on them? I know my wife sets hers the night before, and it's just she wakes up to a nice fresh cup of coffee. So there's intelligence and technology that goes into that as well. So... So getting us going in the morning is is definitely technology-influenced. And then that moves on to the morning commute, say, going into work. I mean, what are we affected by in tech in that way? You've got the car that we hop into. Well, there are safety features, and there are safety features in the cars around us, thankfully, that are also influenced by technology, be it the the more common, the low-tech, hey, it's got brakes and turn signals, or even the backup cameras and lane change alerts and all the other newer things that we're starting to see become more common or standard features in these cars. So so now we're surrounded by technology just trying to get to the office. We all easily see where technology kind of comes in in the office too, you know, we walk on in, there's a computer on the desk, you'd be hard pressed to say that technology has not changed how we go about our daily tasks or accomplish them. Um, one thing that comes to mind is the accounting department at our office. You know, back in the olden days, just a few years ago, they were sitting there over those green striped pieces of paper trying to work through journal entries and everything else. Well, now everything is digital and it can happen a lot faster. So, We really see where that comes in for the office worker or even the factory worker out on the floor. Just, you know, robotics, uh, you know, nearby, we have car manufacturers and everything else. So, So that technology and that advancement is making it easier and quicker to accomplish these tasks that used to take hours or even days. So what we're
5: saying is technology has allowed us to accomplish in minutes what would have taken all day.
8: You're absolutely right. It has helped us to accomplish many things that would have taken a lot longer. And in many instances, it's also helped us to accomplish those same tasks safer and more efficiently and more accurately. Technology has allowed a lot of people to work from home. They don't even have to go into an office, correct? Well, exactly, yes. You can actually, through VPN technology and other ways to connect into office resources, you can actually work from your house. So you could be getting your daily job done while sitting there sipping a cup of coffee out of your coffee pot in your pajamas. And so getting us through the day with technology, you know, a lot of times we see that as as an office function, but really... It goes back in the car that's when we go home. What about when you turn on the radio in the afternoon? Just some people listening to our broadcast today, you could be hearing this from the internet. You could be hearing it from the radio. You could be hearing it from satellite radio. So so really, even radio has changed, just like uh, television has changed in that we have streaming services now, and you're getting more things on demand. So the technology is actually bringing us the news in a different way, be it that in our commute or or at the house and then let's not forget once you get home in the evening and you've made your way through dinner and you're finally relaxing and you're about to lay your head down technology is there too it could be that CPAP machine that is helping people with sleep apnea get a better night's sleep and a safer night's sleep it could be the security system that you turn on in your house that makes sure that whenever you lay your head down at night you can actually lay your head down at night with peace And it could even be something as simple as that fire alarm or that carbon monoxide detector sitting in your home that makes sure that as you are sleeping that you and your family stay safe at night. So we can really see that from sunup to sundown, from the time we wake to the time we sleep, and even while we're asleep, technology is definitely there to help us, to make our jobs easier, to keep us safe, to keep our families safe. The thing we need to be mindful of, however, is that we use technology to enhance our experiences and our tasks and not replace the human aspect of what we're working to accomplish.
5: We will talk more about general technology and how it affects our everyday lives on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilkes Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
3: Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB Program Underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Greenwood's Sanjay Chawla is a 2018 winner of the prestigious Wendy's High School Heisman. Chawla and a female student beat out around 40,000 applicants to win a $5,000 scholarship for excelling in academics, athletics, and community service. He says even though he's busy, there are some things he has to miss out on. He tells MPB's Alexander Watts he was excited when he heard the news.
9: I had to hold back tears. It was just... It was just such a good feeling to see that I that I'd won it, and to see all the hard work pay off.
10: And what was the application process like for this award? Were there a lot of essays that you had to write? Um, how was that?
9: Yeah, there were there were definitely essays. We had to um, we had to answer a couple questions, stories, and tell stories about ourselves. And I had to put down all my academic and athletic achievements, as well as my community service. Out like how I do my community service, and it was about a one to two month process for me. I uh, we, I wanted to make sure that I got everything down and got everything down correctly. So it was it was tedious, but it worked out in the end.
10: Is it hard for you to balance both academics and athletics? How do, how does that go?
9: You know, it's not really hard to balance those two. It's kind of hard to balance academics and just my social life here. It's uh, I mean, it works out in the end. But just having being able to manage my time correctly and everything, it, it's not that bad. But I do miss out on some stuff for sure. I have to sacrifice a lot, which I don't necessarily mind, but I do miss out on. It. I kind of do get mocked for it, in a good way. Nothing nothing bad. But yeah, so it's not it's not that hard, but I do sacrifice a lot.
10: So you're graduating in May 2019, correct? Yes. Sir. Do you know what your plans are for after high school yet? Are you gonna play sports in college? Do you know where you're gonna go?
9: I'm not gonna play sports in college. I don't. Uh, I haven't had any offers, and I don't necessarily think I'm good enough, but. I've applied to a bunch of colleges, and this Wendy's Heisman Awards, you know, I feel like, is going to help me get into a bunch of them, too, like some Ivy Leagues and some schools like Emory and SMU, and so I'm just going to see in January when those applications come back to see if I got accepted or not, but right now, it's kind of like, I'm not just, I'm not fully committed to anything right now, so I'm excited to see what the future holds.
10: What would you tell people who are
9: younger than you, like maybe
10: 8th grade or ninth grade, and someone who's not maybe focusing on their academics right now, how important is it would you say? I mean, I know it's kind of an obvious question, but what would you say to younger people?
9: I would say that that should be the top of your priorities for sure. I mean, sports are nice. Hanging out with friends is nice. But your academics and your ability to study and work hard is what's going to get you far in life. And that's what you need to master first. It, it's, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. It's going to be aggravating at sometimes, but you just have to accept that and just continue to work hard and strive to, to do your greatest at school. And it should work out in the end.
10: And how has being at Pillow Academy, how have your classes there prepared you for where you are
9: today and winning this really prestigious, awesome award? Oh, they've been incredible. The teachers here are just fantastic. All the faculty has always been there for me to answer questions, just to support me in any way possible. I have my friends here. They are all very supportive. I love hanging out with them. But Pillow creates a great learning environment and gives us the ability to strive inside the classroom and outside the classroom. Thanks to our, we have great resources for students and just the academic opportunities are fantastic. So I would definitely not be where I am today without what Pillow has offered me, for sure.
0: Chawla graduates in May 2019. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition Only on MPB Think Radio.